Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. How you doing tonight? Good. Have you survived the up and down weather we've had recently? I'm ready for fall. I'm over the post-summer, summer, or whatever we're in now, second summer. I guess it's called dog days, whatever it is. I'm over it. I'm ready for fall. All right, we're in week three. I guess we should pray first. Let's, uh, let's do that. We're going to get started with week three of our series tonight. But um, does anybody have any requests tonight? We'll do that first. Any requests tonight? Um, Linda, uh, O'Brien, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, remember them. A couple folks to remember. Anybody else? Graham is teething, so remember him, remember me, remember Lauren, remember us all. That's right. <clears throat> all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the chance to gather as a family. Father, we thank you that when you said to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together, it's not a burdensome thing, but Father, it's a it's an uplifting thing. It's because we're family that build each other up. We're parts that are uniquely and properly fit together that help support one another, that help complete one another, that help function with one another. And I function better when I'm a part of this body. And this body functions better when it's a part of me. And we each function better when we're a part of one another. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be together in your house tonight. Father, we lift up the needs of this people, those that are sick and battling sickness. We lift up Kathy and Linda. We lift up Pastor Jim, Lord, and continue to heal his body, Lord. Bring supernatural restoration and prevent the, the, any kind of infections or bacterias, Lord. And we just, we pray for your, your utterance, Holy Spirit, that you would step in tonight, that you would move powerfully on the word, that you would allow your spirit to cause this word to lay deep roots in the hearts of these people, and that it would bear good fruit for the kingdom, Lord. And we give you honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in week three of the God of Encounters. Week one, we talked about uh, Gideon, and we talked about um, we talked about ability that is given in the encounter. We talked about how Gideon was terrified. Gideon was um, uh, not, scared; doesn't do it justice. Gideon was terrified. And this massive army was on the horizon and the army was on its way in and Gideon's hiding in a wine press and he's treading out grain and, and the Lord comes by and he speaks one simple phrase and in one simple phrase, the Lord actually enables Gideon to do what he wasn't able to do before. 
it's incredible to me how the Lord can come by and speak one simple phrase and all of a sudden what we weren't able to do, we are now able to do. Gideon goes on later in the story and with an army of just a few hundred, I think it's 300 men, he starts off with like 30,000 men and it, God actually trims the army down because he says, your army's actually way too big and it's gonna look like you're way too great of a warrior. And, and God actually trims the army way down and they totally annihilate this enemy that's come in. And it all starts with this small, simple encounter where the Lord comes by and speaks one sentence and he, and he calls him a mighty man of valor. And we talked about how, how the Lord actually enables us with abilities in encounters. And, and it doesn't always look like what we think it ought to look like. And it doesn't always feel like what we think it always, what it should feel like. Gideon, Gideon didn't have any of the typical um, encounter reactions. He didn't have any of the typical encounter manifestations. But somehow he was enabled with enough strength to tear down an altar of Baal to face a whole village full of people that wanted to kill him and then go and defeat a whole army. So in week one, we talked about the ability that God gives us in encounters. In week two, we looked at Abram and we looked at how God actually set him up for multiple encounters. And he actually planted seeds in his life through multiple encounters to bring him to a place to get his perspective properly aligned so that he could believe the promises that the Lord had spoken over him. Three times we looked at where the Lord comes to Abram and he says, I'm gonna make you a great and mighty nation. Again, he comes to Abram after he and Lot have split. Abram says, you can have whatever land you want and I'll take whatever is left. The Lord comes to Abram and says, I'm gonna make your descendants as great as the dust of the earth. And Abram says, awesome, that sounds good. But up until that point, Abram actually never says, I believe your promises. I, I don't, he never actually obtains to the promise until the Lord gets him to a place where he re-encounters Abram. He comes back and he re-encounters Abram and, he, and he, he brings Abram outside his tent and he tells him to look towards heaven and he tells him to get his eyes up and it's when he looks towards heaven and he gets his eyes up and he says, if you can count those stars and it's when Abram's looking up that all of a sudden the Bible says that Abram believed the promise. It's the same promise that had been spoken two other times before and maybe many other times other than that, but it's not recorded. But it was, it was something about the perspective shift and we talked about how oftentimes the Lord will re-encounter us time and time again to get us to a place to where he can shift our perspective so that we can see the promise in a new way. And oftentimes... Oftentimes, seeing it in a new way breathes new life onto what God's saying. Tonight, I wanna to talk about trust in the encounter. I, I'm gonna, I don't wanna do this, but I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. I wanna to go to Acts 10 tonight, which is dangerous because it's a super familiar passage, and you all know the scripture, and so please don't check out. <laughs> please don't check out. There are a lot of encounters in Acts 10, Particularly, we're going to talk about Peter's encounter. I want to talk about trust in the encounter. Psalm 119, 105 says something really interesting. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I think, one, I think we've treated that as like a children's Bible verse a lot. 
and we've taken that as like a memory verse that you're supposed to pick up like somewhere around like second or third grade and that's just supposed to be some like cool kind verse that you get as a child and it's just supposed to be just nice and neat and 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 really fun and but I, another thing we do is i think we treat that as one whole promise but i think actually there's two promises in that scripture i think that actually what the lord is saying is that sometimes the word of the lord is a lamp unto my feet and sometimes the word of the Lord is a light into my path. What I'm saying is like, sometimes there's enough light in the word that there's lamp for my feet to take the next step. And sometimes there's enough light in the word that there's enough to illuminate the path. And, and what the Lord will often do in an encounter is give enough light for us to take one more step and in the one more step, it illuminates enough to see the whole path, if that makes any sense, if that makes any sense. So we're going to look at Peter, good old Peter. So Acts 10, we're going to start in verse 9. We could probably read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to badger you to death. So let's start in verse 9. We're, we are going to read quite a bit, though, because there's a lot going on here. So let's read verse 9. Let's just read for a little bit, then we'll stop and talk. The next day, as they were on their journey, so Cornelius has already had his vision, his encounter with the angel. The angel of the Lord has already come to Cornelius. He's already come and said, hey, your prayers and your alms have come up before the Lord as a memorial. Now I want you to send men to Simon. He's by the sea. Go get him. Bring him back to you, and he's going to give a message to you. So that's, that's where we're picking up the story. So the next day, as they, the ones from Cornelius, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. This is cool here. I, th I think this is cool, like prophetically, that um, all of these animals, the animals here that it starts to talk about. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds of the air. But all these animals were coming down from heaven. I just think that's, that's not really what we're here to talk about, but just prophetically looking at that like imagery that the Lord is showing all of this coming down from heaven. In, order, in other words, like this is a delivery. This is something that I'm sending down from heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm delivering and giving something to you. This isn't something I'm raising up from the earth. This isn't something that's in the earth that I'm raising up, but it's actually something I'm delivering down. It's something new, something that's being birthed out of heaven. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Let's go ahead and read verse 15 and 16. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter here is hanging out on the rooftop. The men are on their way to meet Peter. They'll be there shortly. Peter is up 
being a good disciple of the Lord and he's in prayer. He's likely fasting. We know because he's hungry, it would be weird for Peter to be this hungry that the scripture would like go out of its way to mention it if it was just lunchtime and he got very hungry that he fell into a trance. But so Peter's likely fasting, he's praying, he's up on the housetop and the Lord begins to reveal to him something new that he's doing in the earth. And then Peter actually starts arguing with the Lord, which, you know, whatever. I don't think that's the greatest idea in the world. But Peter starts arguing with the Lord, says, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The word for common here is, is defiled, ordinary, unhallowed, basically anything that's not consecrated unto the Lord. I, I, I want us to just for a moment, I think... I think oftentimes we read these scriptures and we've seen them so many times and we've, we've read the end of the story so many times that, that we just look at it and we say, oh, silly Peter, like, uh, don't you know? Oh, silly Peter, don't you understand like what the Lord's trying to do? I don't think we oftentimes grasp like the magnitude of the situation. Peter, Peter and all of his, his fellow Jewish boys, Hebrew boys, would have known the Torah, would have known the scriptures way better than you and I. They would have memorized these scriptures from the time they were like five or six years old. By the time they were like 10 or 11 years old, they would have totally memorized the first five books of the, of the Bible, the Torah. They that includes the law of Moses, which is where the law about what you can and cannot eat is included. They would later go on to memorize the prophets. They would later go on to memorize the Psalms. They would later go on to memorize the minor prophets. And so, I mean, Peter had to know a little bit of scripture. He stands up on the day of Pentecost and he quotes Joel. He had to pull that from somewhere. Somebody didn't hand him a scroll and say, hey, this is where it's at in Joel. He had to pull it from somewhere. But it wasn't a light thing for the Lord to do this. Like this is a monumental shift that is taking place. I know in our context, because we are on the other side of this cataclysmic event, it seems like a small thing, but this is a massive thing that is happening. Peter doesn't have the context of all of church history. He doesn't have the context that we have that we understand that some things stopped at the cross and some things changed at the cross and some things were were uh, tr and some things were transformed through the cross. Peter doesn't have any of that context. All he knows are the Old Testament scriptures and Jesus. That's all Peter knows. That's all he knows. And here he is caught on a rooftop in an encounter where the Lord is challenging everything he knows. Everything he knows is being challenged in an encounter by the word of the Lord. I think it's, I think it's interesting that the, Lord, that the Lord would challenge Peter in such a unique and profound way. And he would do it so sternly. The Lord who is so loving and compassionate and merciful, the Lord sternly challenges Peter with this. Why would the Lord challenge Peter so sternly in this way? It, it, it challenges me because, because Peter's only doing what he knows to do. Peter's only following what he knows to follow. And the only thing I can conclude out of reading this is his now word is very important. What he's saying now is very important. 
hear me. I'm not saying what I think I'm hearing him say trumps the word of God. What I think I'm hearing him say trumps the Bible. The scripture, the canon, it trumps, it trumps everything. What I hear better come through that. But I better be able to yield what I feel like I believe to what I hear him saying. I better be able to yield what my tradition has taught me to what he's saying now. I better be able to yield what my parents and my grandparents believed to what he's saying in a moment. Because if he really is the God of generations who is constantly doing a new thing, then maybe he's not gonna show up and move like he did for them. Maybe he's not gonna show up and, and have a revival like he did in, in 30 years ago. Maybe the revival of my generation is gonna look different, but if, if the filter that I'm filtering his voice through is only, Lord, that's not you because, because you have to speak to me the way that you spoke to them and you have to move for me the way that you moved for them and you have to come to me the way that you came to them, then I'll, I'll close off the voice of the Lord and the moving of the Lord. And the Lord actually challenges Peter tradition. He challenges his, his stance in this, in this stern way. He doesn't come in a loving way and say, oh, Peter, I'm actually changing things. I'm actually doing a new thing. I'm actually doing away with that, and I'm introducing a new thing. He could have done it that way, but he actually sternly tells Peter, sternly tells Peter, don't you call common what I've made clean. Don't you dare don't you dare take what I'm doing and set it aside because it doesn't fit into your filter. We have to be very careful about the filters that we put on what the Lord is doing. Very careful about the filters that we put on what the Lord is doing. Thank God for what he's done. Thank God for the history that we have in the Lord. They are the foundation and the building blocks for where we are today. But if we're gonna stand on those shoulders and go into what he has for us tomorrow, then I've got to allow him to do a new thing. He is the God of creation. And if he's gonna create, then I've gotta give him creative freedom and ability to create in my life. And I can't say, sorry, I've never seen you show up like that, so you can't show up like that. I've never seen you move like that. I've never heard you talk to me like that, so this must not be you. I've got to allow him to move the way he wants to move. So he says, what God has made clean, do not call common. In other words, what God has made blameless, what God is, what God is, what God is touching in this moment, don't you dare call common. It happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. This is my favorite verse in this whole scripture. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. The word for inwardly perplexed here means to doubt, to stand in doubt, to be perplexed, to be entirely at loss, to be at loss with oneself. In other words, to question oneself. Peter started to even question who he was because the word of the Lord was so challenging to him. Sometimes the word of the Lord is so challenging that it'll cause us to really not have a clue what is going on, to not have an idea what is going on. The Passion Translation 
The Passion Translation for this verse, it says, Peter was so stunned by the vision that he couldn't stop wondering about what it all meant. In other words, Peter was totally clueless about what the Lord had just said. Totally clueless about what the Lord had just said. And can I tell you, I think that's the way he likes it. I think that's the way he likes it. Because when I am totally clueless, I'm in the best possible position to not mess up what he's about to do. When I think I know what's coming next, I usually get in his way. When I think I know what he wants to do, I usually end up standing in between him and what he's actually trying to do. I usually end up guessing incorrectly and then have to have a conversation later about why I was presumptuous and why I assumed and why, why I thought he was moving in that direction and actually he had a completely different plan. Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus, he said, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. It do, you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. You have no idea. Our job is just to put up our sail. That's our only job in this life, put up our sail. Benny Hinn used to say, your job is to make sure your sail doesn't have any holes. And then when it starts blowing, put your sail up. If I begin, if I get to a place where I think I understand everything every time he speaks and every time he moves, I will limit his ability to do the impossible. And he's still the God of the impossible. He still shows up in impossible ways. Even when I'm praying for a sickness to be healed, he does it in a way that I couldn't fathom and I couldn't imagine. And when I think I've got all the answers, I end up in the way. And the scripture says Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. He doubted what the vision might mean. He had questions about what the vision might mean. He was entirely at loss and he even doubted himself what it might mean. And while he was inwardly perplexed about what it might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made the inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So while Peter's in the middle of trying to figure it all out, not after Peter has had three days to go home and fast, and pray about it and seek the Lord on it. Not after Peter has sat down and had his lunch and come out of his fast that he's currently on. Not after he's went through the scriptures and tried to figure out, did I miss something? Did I misread something? Were we led astray some way? Did we, did we follow the directions wrong some way? While Peter is in the middle of his utter confusion and doubt and calamity, here come the dudes that are supposed to take him to some other city and they're knocking at the door. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. This is how the Lord invites us to trust him with the lamp unto our feet. This is how the Lord invites us to trust him with enough light for the next step. Verse 19, it says, and while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Verse 20, rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation for I have sent them. Remember, verse 17, Peter's still doubting. 
He's still wondering. He's still questioning. He's still fearful. He's even come to a point now where he's questioning himself. Have I read the scriptures wrong? Did, have I, was I raised wrong? Was my family wrong? Was my, was my rabbi wrong in teaching me the scriptures about what we were and weren't supposed to eat? And while he's in the middle of all the doubt, all the self-reflection, all of the confusion, all of the worry, the Holy Spirit says, go with them. And I imagine Peter's response was something like, are you kidding me? You drop this heavenly vision on me about this new thing coming down out of heaven, about this cataclysmic shift coming down out of heaven, and then you say to me, I'm just supposed to trust you with this, with this step, with these people. Keep in mind, by the way, that, that the church is still under persecution, and the people still want to kill Peter because he's running around healing the sick, raising the dead, pointing fingers at the Sadducees and Pharisees and saying it's because of Jesus who you killed. So Peter, who is in complete and utter confusion, is just supposed to, yeah, just go with these, just go with these nice folks, these nice men, who, by the way, are soldiers, because they came from a centurion who was of the Italian band. So they are soldiers who are under a soldier. Yeah, no problem. Sure. But the Holy Spirit invites Peter to take a step in the middle of his confusion. It's not after Peter has it figured out. Peter doesn't get it figured out for a long time in this story. It's a whole city away and like 10 verses down before Peter figures out what's going on. He thinks he's, he's figured it out in a few verses, but it's a long time before Peter gets it figured out. And yet the Holy Spirit in his confusion says, take the step and trust me. Take the step and trust me. This is where the Lord invites us invites us as believers to trust him with just enough light to take the next step, with just enough light to take the next step. When he's given us a direction that doesn't make any sense, when he's given us a word that we don't see how it can come to pass, when he's spoken a future over us that seems completely impossible and then a step comes along that doesn't seem connected in the least little bit and he asks us to trust him with just the next step. Because if we don't trust him with the next step, we'll never end up where he called us to be. I am convinced I am convinced if Peter said no to coming down off the roof and going with the soldiers, that he would not have been included in this story. He would have heard about this vision maybe. He maybe would have never found out the totality of the vision. Maybe he would have heard it from John the Beloved or maybe from Paul or maybe from Apollos or maybe from, or maybe from Aquila or Priscilla or maybe from some other great saint who we don't even know the name of. Because somebody else said yes to taking a step in faith. It was only the yes in faith that allowed Peter to get to the end at Cornelius' house. If Peter never says yes, he never ends up in the story. He never ends up in the story. A no to going with them is a no to seeing a breakthrough for a whole multitude of generations of people a whole, a whole group of nations of people seeing the glory of the Lord fill them just like it did his race of people. But it took him saying yes in utter confusion, in total chaos, 
when his mind was going a million miles an hour, in verse 19, it says Peter was pondering the vision. The word for pondering here is to, of course, to ponder, to think, or to deliberate, to bring to mind, to revolve in mind. But check out the root for this word. It's passion, heat, fierceness, boiling up, wrath. In other words, Peter was not just casually thinking about what the Lord had spoken to him. Does that make sense to you? There's a difference between just like casually pondering about something and fiercely, agitatingly going over in your mind, working through every ounce of something until you are determined to figure out what in the world this thing is. Peter was going through every square inch of this vision that the Lord had showed him because he knew he had to figure out what the Lord was trying to do in and through him. And in the middle of this, this total mind meld that he's going through, the Lord says, yeah, just trust me for a step. Just trust me for a step. And Peter had to say yes, or he'd have never arrived. I, I look back at some of the steps he's asked us to take as a family, moving to Charlotte. And I think, why in the world did you want us to move to Charlotte at the time? And I look back at the best three and a half years of our lives. Some of the most preparing, enduring, satisfying three and a half years of our lives that if we'd have never said yes to, we'd never be here. And it was a step that didn't make sense because we had words over our lives about where we were supposed to be at the end. We had words over our lives about where we were supposed to end up at. We had promises over our lives about what we were supposed to fulfill and what we were supposed to do for him and for the kingdom and who we were supposed to do it with. And Charlotte was not on the map, but it was a yes to Charlotte that ended up being a yes to the final destination. And if I'd never said yes to there, I would have never been able to say yes to here. I would have never been able to say yes to here. And sometimes it's the yes to what seems like completely out of line when he says, take the step that opens the door for the final destination. Verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright man, God-fearing, who is well spoken of by the Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Skip down to verse 28. And he said to them, you yourselves, so Peter's already come in, he's, he's talked to Cornelius and he's now got the story from Cornelius, or he's now, uh, he's now, he's now at Cornelius' house. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone from another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. This is great. Peter says, now listen, the Lord showed me I'm not supposed to call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection, which isn't exactly true. Because he told the Lord no three times. So 
but Peter's telling the story, so whatever. He says, I came without objection. I love in verse 28 and 29, because here's what I, here's what I, here's what I get when I read verse 28 and 29. I feel like Peter feels like he's got it figured out in verse 28 and 29. Peter shows up at Cornelius's house, and he's like, all right, I got it now. I, I got it now. All right, the sheet, the animals, the birds, the, the things, the hooves, the, we're not supposed to eat. All right, I got it. We're here, Cornelius' house. It's unlawful for me to even be in the house with you, so I'm supposed to come and preach the gospel. It's unlawful for, I got it. All right, I'm here, I'm here. You know it's unlawful. I didn't wanna be here, but I didn't object. The Lord told me to come, and here I am. Graciously, humbly, your servant, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm here. So Peter thinks he's got it figured out in verse 28 and 29. He thinks he's totally got it figured out in verse 28 and 29. But actually, that has nothing to do with what the Lord wants to do. It has actually little to do. I shouldn't say nothing. It has very little to do with the end result of what the, of what the Lord wants to do. And at the end, somewhere in the middle of his little, di- in the middle, of, middle, of his little monologue, Peter starts to realize, because at the end, he finishes up his little statement with, so why again did you send for me? They've already told him why they sent for him. The centurions came and they said, Cornelius wants you, the, the angel came, and you're supposed to come and you're supposed to tell him about the gospel. Okay, so that's why I'm supposed to come. So Peter comes and he starts to figure it out and he's like, that's right, it's unlawful for me to be here, it's unlawful for me to eat the, the animals, so that's what God's trying to do, I got it figured out. Okay, so that's what, and as he's looking around the room, he's like, wait a minute, that's, that's actually not it, is it? That's not it, is it? And at the end of his little monologue, he goes, now wait a second, why actually am I here? Why actually am I supposed to be here? And Cornelius starts to talk, and he again recites the story that Peter's heard three times at this point. And he tells him again, he says, yesterday I was praying about the, whatever it is, the ninth hour, and he says, an angel appeared to me, and he told me that you're supposed to come here, and you're supposed to preach the gospel, and you're supposed to tell us about the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 34 and 35, finally Peter gets it. And he says, so Peter opened his mouth, And he says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. In verse 28 and 29, Peter thought, I'm just supposed to show up and grace these people with my presence. It's unlawful for me to even be in the house with them. Uh, how should I say this? Bold and arrogant, that's as, that's as well as I can do it. Bold and arrogant Peter says, the Lord just wants me to grace them. I am the apostle Peter to the Lord Jesus. I'm just supposed to grace them with my presence and that's all he wants me to do. But by the time we get to verse 34 and 35, Peter goes, no, wait a second. Actually, there's a deeper work that's happening here. And it's taken all the way from his encounter a city away Several verses earlier before Peter finally gets it. The word understand here is actually to lay hold of, to obtain, to seize, to take into oneself, to take possession of. Peter finally says, I finally, I finally attained what the Lord's actually trying to do here. I finally see what the Lord's trying to do here. It took me this journey all the way from Joppa 
all the way over here. It took me, it took me looking like a fool a couple of times. It took me saying yes when I didn't understand. It took me coming with these strange guys. It took me coming in this house where it's unlawful. It's not actually unlawful. It's just against the customs. It's not against the law of Moses. It's against the customs. It wasn't customary for them to be in the house. He said, I've taken all of these roads and every time I thought I had it figured out what the Lord was gonna do, every time I thought I had it pinned down what the Lord was gonna do, the Lord said, actually, that's not even close to the magnitude of what I'm gonna do. And finally, Peter says, now I understand what the Lord wants to do. And as Peter begins to declare the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. And a whole new world is opened up. A whole new world is opened up. And little old Peter, who thought he was just showing up to grace these people with his presence, who just thought he was just making an appearance, who just thought he was stopping by, who just thought he was just fulfilling an obligation, who didn't understand, who just said yes in the middle of confusion and, and, and when his mind didn't fully get what the Lord was doing, then he was a part of one of the greatest, again, again, one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Two massive outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and Peter's smack dab in the middle of both of them. In the middle of both of them. The dude who said, I don't know him. And Peter's right in the middle of both of them. But it took him saying yes and trusting when it didn't make any sense. When it didn't make any sense at all. Verse 44 through 48, I might as well read it, we're here. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. In, in Acts chapter 11, by the way, Peter is retelling the story in Jerusalem to the leaders. In chapter 10, it says, while he was saying these things. In chapter 11, Peter says, when I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell. In chapter 11, Peter says, oh no, no, I didn't do anything. I opened my mouth and started to speak and he fell. I didn't do anything. While he was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Peter, who didn't have a clue what the Lord was up to, just said yes. He just said yes. And he ended up in the middle of another incredible move of the Lord. Somehow, Peter just kept saying yes and just kept ending up in incredible circumstances. The same guy who denied him. And the book is filled. It's not just Peter. It's filled with people who just said yes when they didn't get it, when they didn't understand, when they didn't, when they didn't comprehend what was going on. They just said yes. They just said yes. And they just trusted that the yes now doesn't look like the final destination. But you know what? Scripture says that the seed doesn't look like the fruit. 
that what dies doesn't look like what is raised to life. Paul talked about, Paul talked about what is buried does not, does not have the same body as that which is raised. In other words, when you, when you bury a kernel of corn, it does not have the same body as the corn stalk that comes up out of the ground. The yes now may not look like the final destination, but if he's saying say yes to it, then I'm going to say yes to it because his ways are good and his paths are true. And if he is really making ways in the wilderness, then I've got to trust that I've got to trust that his way is the way to where I'm going. I've got to trust that my yes now will get me to where he said I'm going. The, the, one of the lies, I shouldn't say the lie, one of the lies is that yes won't get you to that destination. Every yes in him gets you to the destination because the destination is him. The destination is him. And in him is yes and amen to every promise. To every promise. Stand with me tonight. Does that make sense? The yes now is never easy. The yes now is hard. Because the yes now doesn't come with the fruit that we want. It doesn't come with the fruit we want. Jesus taught a parable. (laughs) And he said it was the most important parable. And he talked about reaping a harvest of seed that was sown into good ground. And the King James says that some 30, some 60, and some 100. Can I tell you, though, that actually in the Greek, there's no word for some? Can I tell you what I think Jesus really meant? Can I tell you that I think he meant that the first harvest you reap is 30 and you turn around and you sow again and then you reap 60 and then you turn around and you sow again and you reap 100 because the kingdom is like leaven and the kingdom is like the small mustard seed. It starts off small. It starts off small. And if you tell yourself my yes today won't yield the grand fruit of the final destination that I'm supposed to get to. You'll just give up on every yes that isn't the yes to the stage with 10,000 people on. You'll just give up on every yes. You'll give up on every yes to serve, on every yes to help out on the drama team, on every yes to help out at VBS. When it's actually those yeses that lead to those stages. And not everybody's called to those stages. That's just the easy example. I know that. I know that's the easy example. But the kingdom is full of compound interest. The kingdom is full of compound interest. 
That's how he works. And yes is compound interest in the kingdom. So our yeses today equal his yeses tomorrow. We've got to say yes even when we don't understand. If he's saying say yes, let's just say yes. Let's just be a people that say yes even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it doesn't make sense. If he's saying say yes, I've got to say yes and trust that it's going to work out. So Father, we bless this people and we pray that you, Lord, would open doors of opportunity. Lord, we thank you that you are speaking to your people, that you're engaging your people, that you're moving in the lives of your people. Lord, we thank you that you give us opportunities to say yes to you, to partner with you, to co-labor with you. And Lord, we thank you that every yes that we give you, you take note of. The smallest yes is counted in heaven. And the yes when we don't understand, the yes of faith, the yes in trust, the yes of, Lord, I don't get it and I can't comprehend it, but you're God and I'm just going to say yes anyways. You mark those down and you remember those. And Father, we know that in this room there are dreams, there are visions, there are goals, there are promises. There are some that have been put on the shelf because they have been waiting for so long that they've forgotten about them and they've said they won't come to pass. And the lie of the enemy has said to them that you can't obtain it, you've ran out of time, you've, you've missed the mark. But God, we just pray that you would reignite those dreams. We pray that you would light again the fire for those dreams, Lord. That you would again show them that, that every yes that they've said up to this point has led them to right where they are. And right where they are is where you've called them to be, Lord. And that they're right on the path. Right on the path to head towards the destination that you have for them. Lord, we bless this people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, I'm glad you said that. I actually have an announcement to make, too. Not for me. Um, Pat. Yeah. Yeah, and as you're getting ready to leave, Pastor John Pop wanted me to remind, uh, mention, this Saturday, uh, there is a fundraiser um, for um, the Liberia School that we have participated with, uh, CLG Mount Sterling has participated with, New Breed Praise Tabernacle has participated with. Um, Pastor Israel is obviously from Liberia, and several of his folks are from Liberia, and they're building that school. They're only a few thousand dollars short to complete building that school, and so they're doing a fundraiser this Saturday at the church on East Loudon Avenue. It's from four to five outside, and then they're doing a service immediately following that inside. Um, and it's at New Breed Praise Tabernacle on East Loudon, and that's this Saturday. Um, yes, yeah. The I don't remember the. Do you remember the name of the actual building? It's on East Loudon. It's right at the corner of. Um, I can't. Yeah, it's right be, right before you get to the bridge. If you turn on East Loudon off of um, off of Winchester Road, 
So if you need more information, I can get you more information. But it's this Saturday. It's four to five outside and then a service inside. And they're going to have all kinds of good stuff, food and fun and all that good stuff. All right, let's pray for the offering. Father, we bless this people. We thank you for the gift. Lord, we pray that you would bless it, that you would multiply it. We pray that you would use it, Lord, to touch souls. Lord, that you would use it to win this city. We thank you, Father, that you've promised that every seed sown is good seed in the kingdom. We pray a blessing on these seeds, Lord, that they would be multiplied to stretch forth from this house and to touch every square inch of this city and this region, Lord, that every soul of this city and this region would feel the effects of every dollar that is brought into this house, Lord, that it would be multiplied for the sake of the kingdom, Lord, and we pray that a blessing would be given to these people because they've given into your kingdom in good faith, believing that you'll do a good work with it, Lord, and we bless them in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.